Greetings to all my cool cats and cool kittens. They try to copy our style so they stay frostbitten. You are now tuned to the sounds of CFRE 91.9 FM and on the World Wide Web at CFREradio.com. It is your man, DM Cool. And this is Cool Radio. Welcome to the cool. What we doing? You can catch me on your TV, even on the radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. You're now tuned to the sounds of CFRE Radio 91.9 FM and on the World Wide Web at CFREradio.com. It is your man, DM Cool, and welcome back to Cool Radio. Oh, you didn't know? Your ass better call somebody! Definitely, definitely make sure to tell a friend to tell a friend that we are live on the air right now. And we have a lot to get to on today's agenda. We have Black Friday from Kendrick Lamar and Jay Cole coming up on the show. We also have to discuss Rolling Stone's top 50 albums of the year. And of course, you know, Tidal has going has been going through a little bit of I wouldn't say controversy as of late, but nonetheless, people are starting to raise an eyebrow at what's happening at the house that Jay-Z invested in. But nonetheless, before we get to all that, you guys already know that I have a lot of things to get off my chest towards you. And I want to know what you think on the matter. So on that note, I think it's time to let that ish breathe. Let this bitch breathe. I had a little bit more bass than usual. Jeez. Anyway, so time to let this ish breathe, man. Um, it's it's been no secret, it's been no surprise. Kobe Bryant has been struggling mightily throughout the uh 2015-2016 season. And mind you, we're only about roughly 20 games in or so. Um, and sometime during this week, he announced that at the end of the season, he was gonna hang it up. He was gonna call it quits, he's gonna say it was time to call it a career. And at the end of the day, I don't blame him. Kobe Bryant is in his 20th season. He's been playing in the NBA ever since he was 17, going on 18. So basically, this man has aged double the amount of time that someone else would, you know, if they weren't in the profession of a professional athlete. So is it a good time for him to retire? Yes. In fact, I feel like he maybe should have retired maybe two or three seasons ago when he was still relatively on top of his game, averaging 20 to 25 points a game and what have you. I feel like that would have been the best time to go out rather than you just kind of going out when your injuries are catching up to you, kind of like a Steve Nash, for example, uh, like a Dikembe Mutombo, for example. Hakeem Olajuwon, the list goes on and on and on. You know, it's almost, it's kind of disheartening to see a superstar that you grew up watching you just kind of limp his way onto retirement, basically. And I think Kobe is kind of going through that right now, minus a 31-point game that he had against Washington, which was insane. But nonetheless, I feel like Kobe is kind of going through the same motions that any other aging superstar would be going through during their decline, so to speak. Now, there's not much to be said that can that's already been said about Kobe Bryant. I mean, we're talking, what, 18-time All-Star, league MVP, five-time champion, three of those championships on Shaq's team, just saying. Um, he's done it. He's done it all, basically. He has done it all. Um, me, personally, for anyone who knows me, I'm not the biggest fan of Kobe Bryant, 
but I will give credit to where credit is due. He did make the game very exciting for a lot of people. He was part of reinvigorating, um, I wouldn't say Showtime, but he made the Lakers, he helped make the Lakers popular again. He made them relevant again. Um, I don't think the Lakers can ever lose relevance, but in terms of the NBA version of relevance, in terms of wins and losses, postseason appearances, what have you, he did contribute uh, his part in that nonetheless. Um, so those are some of the good things that I do like about Kobe Bryant, the fact that his will to play the game is almost unmatched. Some of the things I don't like about Kobe or that I don't fancy about Kobe that much is his brand of leadership. I feel as though when it comes to his brand of leadership, he doesn't really instill the confidence in the players around him to make them believe that they are better than what they are. I feel like someone like LeBron James, for example, is much better at that. Someone like Jason Kidd was much better at that during his prime. Um, but with Kobe, I feel like it, that's not a strong suit. I feel as though to instill some sort of motivation in his teammates, he does it by way of fear. And I don't feel as though fear is a good proponent in making your teammates better because it makes them very uncomfortable and uneasy. And I feel as though Kobe had a knack for doing that. Um, nonetheless, he's, that still doesn't take away from how great of a player he was. But at the same time, those are a few knocks against him. And I feel as though because of the amount of greatness that he has achieved throughout his career, I feel like some people would gloss over that, especially Lakers management, because I feel as though, and not even me feeling, it's, I think it's almost a fact at this point that Lakers management has enabled him to make him believe whatever he wants to believe. Now, granted, he's one of the greatest players of all time. No one's taking that away from him. But you can't just coddle him and say that whatever you're doing, keep on doing it, you're doing right. No, you got to give, even if it's your superstar, especially if it's your superstar, in fact, you got to give your superstar constructive criticism. And I feel as though Jack, uh, sorry, Phil Jackson was one of, if not probably the only person in that Lakers organization who wasn't an active player was doing that for him, kind of centering him, being the Zen master that he is. Because let's let's be honest, if Kobe's relations towards other players were on a much more higher note, then I feel as though he would have been able to play with a lot more, not even just play with a lot more players, but a lot more players would have been more willing to come to L.A. to play. Now, you're going to say, oh, well, he had Dwight Howard and he had Steve Nash. Well, let's talk about this guys real quick. Steve Nash mainly wanted to come to L.A. because of the fact that Dwight Howard had already signed on to be a part of the Lakers. But on top of that, he has his family in L.A. He has other multimedia ventures that take place in L.A., of course, because that is Tinseltown. So that made the decision a lot easier for him. As for Howard, let's be honest. Howard is one of the most indecisive players that you can think of. He got pressured into signing with the Lakers. Really, he was meant to sign with the Brooklyn Nets or even the Dallas Mavericks, maybe even the Houston Rockets. So who knows? But nonetheless, again, Kobe, I feel like if he had worked on that portion of his, I don't want to say game, but just of his demeanor, then a lot more people would have been more invited to play with the Lakers. I mean, you even look at someone as recently as LaMarcus Aldridge, who was quoted as saying he was turned off by, you know, the Lakers wooing uh, session, so to speak, because he didn't like the way Kobe kind of presented the idea of playing alongside him and the Lakers. So that's just another, you know, caveat to throw in there. But overall, despite, you know, some of the negative aspects about Kobe, which I can probably dive into, you know, on another video, I think the fact of the matter remains is that one of the greatest players of all time is set to retire when it's all said and done. 
He was one of the players who kind of defined the later part of the 90s and the early portion of the 2000s. And he is someone who got better as he aged. And you don't really see that a whole lot. Um, and there's so many highlights to gloss over. The fact that he's the Lakers' all-time leading scorer. The fact that he scored 81 points in a single game against my beloved Toronto Raptors. I know I'm still having flashback nightmares about that. And the fact that despite you know him getting older, he was still able to play at a high level to even compete with guys of this generation like LeBron James, like a Kevin Durant, among others. So I tip my hat to him. He's not my favorite player, but I give respect where respect is due. And is he a top 10 player of all time? I say so. But what do you think? Hit me up on Twitter at DM underscore cool or cool underscore radio and let me know what you think. Coming up after the break, a lot of publications have been going into their top tens of whether it be of all time, of the year, and what have you, just their own separate countdowns. Whether it was uh, Billboard, whether it was Complex, or even Rolling Stone, which we'll get to later on in today's show. I have my own top ten list that I want to get into before the Yes special. So keep it locked. We'll be right back. Uh, but before we get into that, we got to get into this track that just damn near destroyed the internet over the weekend, and I'm talking about my man J. Cole with Black Friday, so keep it locked. This is Cool Radio. I'll be right back after these messages. Yeah. Ladies and gents, welcome back to the show. You're now tuning to the sounds of CFRE 91.9 FM and on the World Wide Web at CFREradio.com. It is your man DM Cool, and welcome back to Cool Radio. That was J. Cole once again with his Black Friday freestyle, which he was rapping over Kendrick Lamar's All Right instrumental. And uh, we're going to discuss that later on in the show about who killed it between him or Kendrick. Me, uh, By the way, we do have Kendrick's version coming up after this segment. But before we get into that, um, on social media, I was, alluding, I was alluding to whom I feel are the best rappers of this decade so far. I mean, you have so many publications, as I was mentioning earlier, like Billboard and Rolling Stones coming out with their year-end list and what have you. Billboard, a couple weeks ago, came out with whom they thought were the top 10 rappers of all time, and uh, that created a lot of discussion, to say the least. So on that note, I decided to take a step further, and I wanted to discuss who are the best rappers of this current decade. So from 2010 till present time, since we're halfway through the decade right now, and I have my list with you that I am ready to share. Now, here's what went into my list, basically. I wanted to make sure that I list down whom I thought was the best from 2010 up until now based on um, quality of their of their of their work, basically. So whether it was albums or mixtapes or the amalgamation of both um, their reach towards their audience. So through social media, sold out conscious or what have you record sales as well, because we have to we have to think about the logistics of that as well. Um, also their overall styles or techniques, how, how strongly equipped they are within their craft. All these things kind of went into play basically. And this isn't just like a personal, personal subjective list. Uh, there is a little bit of, subje- of subjectivity in it, of course. However, there was some objectivity that went into this list as well. Because there are some rappers that I listed on here that I probably would have listed at a higher spot if it was just for my own personal amusement, basically. But I try to be as objective as possible. Some people on this list I don't even like or I've kind of fallen out of favor with. So that kind of gives you an idea of what kind of planning went into this, basically. And also, uh, all the rappers who are on this list, 
had to have at least come out with a project from 2008 and onward. Pardon me. And now I say 2008 and onward because of the fact that even though 2010 is really the beginning of the decade, a lot of the artists who are popular now kind of got their feet wet in uh, 2000, in like the later 2000s. So like with Drake, for example, he came out with his classic uh, mixtape so far gone in 2009. But obviously the majority of his career has been strongly built within this current decade. So that's a little example for you. Anyways, with all that being said, with all the parameters being covered, let's get into it. Now, before we get into the main countdown itself, I'm going to throw an honorable mention in here, all right? Now, this honorable mention is completely subjective, all right? On that note, my honorable mention to kick things off is Psy High the Prince. I say Psy High the Prince because he is easily one of the most underrated lyricists currently in the game right now. I mean, we, we've got, we all pretty much got a first glimpse of him at the BET Cypher in 2011, which is probably the best Cypher edition ever for the BET Hip Hop Awards. And also he had a, sh- I wouldn't say show-stealing verse, but he had a very strong verse on the Appalled remix with uh, Kanye West, Pusha T, and Jay-Z, which of whom all did their damn thing on that record. And he still was able to stand toe-to-toe with those other artists he's written for Kanye multiple times and he's had a good series of mixtapes with his uh, Royal Flush series and even last year uh, with his uh, Black History Project mixtapes so I put him in that in that honorable mention list I can't put him on the countdown because even though his body of work is pretty strong we still have yet to receive an album from him uh, his reach isn't as large as all the other artists on this list as well. So I feel like there still needs to be more ground to be established with him on that front. But nonetheless, he gets the honorable mention. I can't let him go unspoken for. So shouts to Sai High the Prince. Uh, now, let's get it started. At number 10, I have DC Zone Wale. Now, if you were to ask me my top 10 like five years ago, Wale would arguably be at like number three, basically. But there have been some things that have dragged him down all the way to top to uh, number 10. But I'll mention all his good attributes. So with Wale, he deserves to be on this list because of the fact that he was one of the first artists to kind of break into this new era of artists that didn't have to be a gangster or a pimp or anything of the sort to kind of uh, be that mainstream rapper that we're looking to hear on the radio he helped break that mold he was just a simple guy who was into street fashion sneakers and he had a high penchant for wordplay uh his level of uh poetry is also on point as well and he has written for so many different artists including a jay-z so on top of that he also had a very good mixtape run in the later 2000s with his um about nothing series which kind of combined his subject matter with that of Seinfeld and he put it into one project and he created those episodes of Seinfeld little bits and skits here and there and kind of patterned them around the subject matter that he would like to talk about and one of the things I liked about Wale is that he had a diverse array of subject matter to spread around to the masses I mean this guy was talking about the term nigger and how um, some people like within the black community don't feel comfortable with the word, also how they feel pressure if a white person says it and then they don't react to it and just other things within that term. He related the, um, the uh, what's it called, the Michael Richardson situation at the Laugh Factory and interpreted it with that, which was very clever on his part. So that's just a, a small sample size of Wally's genius and his brilliance. Now, I dragged him down all the way to number 10 mainly because of the fact that 
in my humble opinion, I feel like he's fallen off. What he what brought him to the dance in the first place? He's he has gradually divided himself away from that in order to fit in with the Maybach music brand. And to me, it's almost a case of the nerd who got picked at picked on at his first high school. You know, no one wanted to hang out with him. People threw food at him, whatever the case may be. And then he goes to the new high school, revamps his image, and now he's hanging out with the jocks. He's getting with the girls that he could just dream of breaking his neck for. That whole thing. Um, his subject matter has dwindled down a little bit. And even though he's tried to play both sides, both appealing, trying to appeal to his to his uh, first fan base, which is kind of like the backpack fan base, to like the now more, I guess you could say, urban ratchet crowd, whatever you want to call it, it still hasn't worked out for him. He's still a skilled lyricist, but it's going to take a lot more to kind of get back that credibility that he once had back five years ago at the very least. That's my personal opinion. What do you guys think? Let me know because we have a whole lot more to go. Um, Number nine, I got to give it to Chance the Rapper. Now, Chance the Rapper is a very unique rapper. He comes from Chicago. Um, Something is, I feel like the, the, the water in Chicago is spiked because the majority of people who come out of Chicago are just immensely talented. I mean, come on, we're talking about Rhymefest. Uh, we're talking about Do or Die, Kanye West, Lupe Fiasco. But then you have like your 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 misses like Chief Keef, whatever. But nonetheless, let's never mind, never mind those guys. Chance the rapper is a very unique case because of the fact that there isn't a whole there aren't a whole lot of artists out there right now who sound like him. To me, when I listen to Chance the Rapper, he comes across as a remix of Old Dirty Bastard. He sounds a lot like Old Dirty Bastard, but a bit more lyrical more articulate, and he also has a very raspy voice, a very raspy singing voice, kind of to the tune of a Teddy Pendergrass, which I kind of find a little refreshing. Um, I love the subject matter. I love his instrumentation as well. He has some very good producers on his side, and I feel like he kind of uh, rhymes to the beat of his own drum, so to speak. He doesn't really care what you know what lanes are being built right now. He's kind of created his own lane. And the moment you hear Chance the Rapper, you know it's Chance the Rapper. So he's kind of built his own sound on top of that as well. And has gained a lot of credibility from a lot of the established acts as well as people who we consider to be his peers on that note. My reason for putting him at number nine is because he doesn't have a large enough body of work. The reach is there via social media, but the body of work isn't enough for me to place him any higher than a number nine. With only two mixtapes to speak of, Acerat being the more uh, heralded mixtape of that pair that he has. Uh, But again, not a large enough body of work for me to rate him at higher than number nine. Yeah, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people who disagree with me on that, and that's totally fine because I love to uh, debate about this what have you. But nonetheless... Let's keep it moving. At number eight, we have Logic. Now, Logic is in a similar case where I kept him at number eight because his body of work hasn't, it's not, not the, it's not large enough because he doesn't have about three or four mixtapes to his name with two albums to his name on top of that. But his reach hasn't really spawned as large as the other people that I've mentioned, that I will mention on this list. But some of the good attributes about him is that he's a highly skilled rapper. This guy is technical to the T. The way he pronounces all the syllables, his rhyming structure, it is on point. It's almost like you can measure it with a ruler in a sense. Um, Not only is he a good rapper who can just rap his ass off on any type of instrumental, making it very versatile, but the fact that he can also craft a song. He's a very good songwriter, and he knows how to... Uh, measure his melodies he knows he knows um 
he has a very high IQ of pitch and octaves and vocal range and what have you. So I feel like Logic at this point in time right now could be hip hop's best kept secret. But again, I can't put him over just uh, because of the fact that his reach hasn't gone on large enough in comparison to everyone else on this list. But also because of the fact that the one glaring criticism that he always gets is that unlike a Chance the Rapper, he, and I mean Logic, doesn't really have his own sound, basically. I think he's still trying to find it. A lot of people say how he sounds much more like his contemporaries, like a Drake, like a uh, J. Cole, like a Ch- uh, Kendrick Lamar, to say the few, like those three in particular. What Logic needs to do is to find his own sound, because once he does, then he's going to rise higher in this list as the years go by. And on top of that, if you are a first-time listener of Logic or you're just a casual listener to hip-hop, if you hear this guy rapping, you're not really going to know who it is, and you're not really going to pinpoint it to something. Like, if I hear Chance the Rapper, I know it's Chance the Rapper, basically, because of his voice, because of his delivery, and what have you. With Logic, we don't have that yet. If you're a Logic fan, it's a totally different story. You're going to know exactly who Logic is. Like, that goes without saying. So, again, Logic, I keep him at number eight. Um, Number seven, Big Sean. Now, Big Sean... He's been very successful over the years, ever since signing with Good Music in 2007, put out his first mixtape around that time, but then he really got the ball rolling uh, 2009, 2010, so on and so forth. He's had a lot of singles all, all over the radio, one of the most commercially recognized rappers in the game right now, and on top of that, you know, he has like a lot of witty wordplay to his name. Main reason why I keep him at number seven is because of the fact that I, and this is my personal opinion, I don't feel as though he is as skilled as any of the artists who are on this list right now. I feel like he, and I don't want to say weak because he's not that, he's not really weak of a, of a, of a, of a lyricist or whatever, but his skills aren't as strong as everyone else that is on this list right now. His albums aren't really that critically acclaimed. They've been lukewarm they've been okay they've been very passive i'll say at most like but nothing to scream out classic or debatable classic or anything of that sort um i feel like big sean is just kind of like right now he's just kind of going through the motions like this he's not really taking any chances and i feel as though when it comes to his production he kind of goes against the grain with his production he likes to rhyme over a a lot of loud ruckus beats that kind of drown him out in my opinion because i feel as though his voice is very smooth laid back and very nasally and he would work well with someone like pharrell for example who could give him that laid back production on a more consistent basis I feel like a mixture of that and just more strengthened lyricism on top of that with a more strengthened um, more strengthened resolve for the concept of his albums, I feel like he would rise higher on this list. Number six, Nicki Minaj. Now, I'm not just putting her in there just so she can represent for the ladies or anything like that, but I have to give props where props are due. She's not my cup of tea, but to deny her a top 10 spot in this current decade of artists right now, I would be a hater. Um... Say what you need to say about it. She has risen uh, close to the top of the mainstream right now. Uh, she's been the most commercially relevant female MC since, I guess, Missy Elliott because she's probably been the one of the few female MCs that have stuck around within the mainstream. Uh, Nicki Minaj has a very interesting delivery that kind of makes her recognizable to the masses. Like her her penchant for delivery, I kind of find comparable to like a Buster Rhymes. It's very out there, very in your face. Um, she has a strong following, 
Uh, her gimmick works just well for her for the commercial masses. And I feel like those are the things that are working for her. Reason why I don't feel as though she's at the top of the list or anywhere near it is because I feel like her gimmick is basically the only thing that kind of carries her. Not to say that she's a bad lyricist, but when it comes to her music, I find that her subject matter is, is, is kind of derivative. Like, nine times out of ten, when I'm listening to a Nicki Minaj track, all I hear is, I'm a bad bitch, I'm a bad bitch, look at my thick ass, I mean, pink wig, thick ass, giving whiplash. Like, that's all I hear from Nicki Minaj, basically. And I feel like I need to hear more than that. I feel like I need to hear her story more. I've listened to two of her albums already, so I kind of have a somewhat of an idea of what, of what her story is, but there needs to be more depth. There needs to be more layers beyond just the Barbie gimmick, and I feel like it's her gimmick that's carrying her forward right now. That's just my personal take on that. And I don't want the Barbs to come at me on Twitter and be like, you're a hater, you're a hater, no, whatever. That's just my two cents on it. Y'all can debate with me later on that, but that's just the way I feel about the Hiroshuku Barbie girl, if that's what they're calling her these days. Uh, but nonetheless, let's keep it moving. Now we are entering top five territory. Top five. Here we go. Uh, number five, I have Big Crit, Young Crizzle. The only reason why there is a bit of credibility left in the South moving forward. All right. Out of all the artists on this countdown right now, he has the best discography when it comes to mixtapes. There is no one on this list, in my humble opinion, that is touching it when it comes to mixtapes. This guy has three classic mixtapes on his hands already, like his first three. And then this next one, I think it was King Remembered in Time. That was a debatable classic in itself. And then he just released a recent one entitled uh, It's Better This Way. I haven't given it too many listens, so I can't really give it that classic title just yet. Now, as far as his albums go, I think that's what kind of drags him down on the list. I feel like he's a classic case of an artist who has better mixtapes than albums. And not to say that his albums don't have any uh, context or concepts to them. They do. They just don't resonate as strongly as his mixtapes offering does. Uh, on top of that, he hasn't really gotten a whole lot of radio play, which has kind of hindered him on this list, so to speak, uh, in terms of the reach. Um, and I kind of blame that on Def Jam, to be honest, because this is, this is an artist who is not only lyrical, but he knows how to create a song. He has a penchant for hooks, great melodies, can sing, and he knows how to make those down south turnout records that guys like Future and 2 Chains can make, yet he's not getting that radio push that these guys are getting. And he's a higher caliber of an artist than they are. So Def Jam needs to work on something like that real quick for him. But nonetheless, I have him at number five. Number four, I have... Childish Gambino. Now, this guy right here, like he is this generation's triple threat entertainer, musician, actor, comedian, and just let's just throw in script writer as well. Uh, script writer in there as well. I mean, this guy got an Emmy for writing or co-writing Thirty Rock, um, and he just he just keeps on doing it to another level. This guy, if we're talking about best rapper slash singer combination as of right now, because there's quite a few artists who are within that lane, I think he's the best. This guy put out an EP called Kawhi, which is primarily singing, most of it, I would say, and he killed it. Like, he has very good range as a singer. And as a rapper, he can go toe-to-toe with any rapper of this generation. You name it. I mean, that royalty mixtape proved otherwise. Before, we, we had only heard him by himself, but now it's the point. But when, when that mixtape came out, rather, it proved to us that he can hang, he can go toe-to-toe with anyone that you bring in front of him. Only reason why I don't have him higher up here is because 
He's doing a little bit of everything right now. He's he's doing the rapping. He's doing the comedian stuff. He's doing the acting. He's producing his own television show. So I can't bring him up any higher because of the fact that there are other rappers who are more consistent at their craft than he is right now. So that's the that's the main reason why I'm bringing him down to number four, and also because of the fact that I can't say that he doesn't. You know, I can't even say that he doesn't have that reach because he has his reach uh, via other mediums. I would just say that. The other rappers who are ahead of him right now just have a a more consistent uh, craft that they're working on, which is the rap music, whereas he's just all available with all other things in between. So that's the only reason why I would say. Um, number three, J. Cole. J. Cole is your definition of the common man. He is the working class citizen, basically. He is the one that makes you feel as though you can relate to him. He doesn't come in the videos with the chains and the jewelry with the high-end fashion, he is just Jermaine Cole. That is what you get with him. What you see is what you get. And I feel as though that that appeal that he has is what has people gravitating towards him. Now, people say he's underrated. He's underrated. But it's hard to say that someone is underrated when they sell out Madison Square Garden two nights in a row. Are you kidding me? To sell out Madison Square Garden, it has to be the NBA Finals. It has to be WrestleMania. Frank Sinatra has to arise from the dead and perform, you know, his greatest hits collections. To sell out Madison Square Garden is a difficult feat in and of itself, you know. And for him to do that back to back, that just shows you not how not only how great of an artist he is, but how strong of a following he has. He's topped the charts. He even beat out Kanye in week two of their sales battle when they both came out with their subsequent projects in 2013. The only thing that drags down J. Cole, the only thing, is his production. He needs to outsource with other beat producers. He's not a bad producer. He's just an okay one, in my opinion. And I feel like his beats are too... They, 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 they sound very derivative. They, they sound very similar to each other every now and again. And I feel like he needs to add more elements to his production so that they can heighten the level of musicality. If he did that, then, you know, we might move him up just a little bit higher. But if he got with some... Other producers, like some more highly known producers, like a Just Blaze, like a No ID, more on okay, more on a regular basis, then I feel like his songs will come out so much better. Like, I mean, you heard him over the Pharrell beat not too long ago when he was rapping on Black Friday. So I think the proof is in the pudding right there. So I feel like that's the only thing that J. Cole needs to improve upon. Other than that, number three, ain't nothing wrong with that. Number two, this is where things get interesting now. I got to give it to the boy Drizzy Drake. Now, be that as it may, yes, he sells a lot of records. He's probably this generation's most popular rapper by far. Um, But I think the thing between him and the other artist who's at number one that separates the two is the fact that when it comes to the art of rapping, he's good at it. He's damn good at it. But he takes it too easy sometimes like there are some times where he'll just slack off on the rapping part because i guess he feels comfortable knowing that he's the number one rapper right now in terms of popularity and also he wants to focus more on the songwriting aspect and kind of cross over into the pop markets which i respect from a business standpoint but if we're talking about top 10 rapper list then it's got to be consistent all the way through and he can do it. I mean, proof of that was when he dropped Charged Up and uh, Back to Back this summer when he dissed the hell out of Meek Mill. Like, he has that in him. It just needs to be shown more consistently, which is why I drop into number two. 
But we already know the man's accomplishments. He crushes Billboard records all the time. He crushed a Beatles record. Uh, this guy came out with If You're Reading This It's Too Late with no promotion and just and had the highest selling rap album of the year because of that. We already know the man's accomplishments. He's doing it big for the city of Toronto, for Canada. Um, and he is basically the leader of the new school uh, as far as visibility is concerned. Which leads us to our number one rapper. Drum roll, please. And the number one rapper of this generation is Slim Jesus, baby. You already know what it is, man. Drill time. What? Classic. Classic. The next Tupac. I'm telling you, this guy is fire. Fire on fire. No, I'm totally kidding, guys. No, definitely not. He's no, he's nowhere near this list. Ladies and gentlemen, the number one rapper of this current generation, uh, of this current decade, is Kendrick Lamar. I mean, what more needs to be said about this guy? This guy can rap his ass off. He knows how to create a song. He has created his own lane for himself to the point where no one sounds like him. This guy is able to cross over into different markets. And on top of that, he has three debatable classic albums under his belt already. Debatable, mind you, debatable. Some people may degree, uh, disagree, but again, this is why they're debatable. Um Section 80 was an underground classic. Many people called it an underground classic and was definitely touted as the best album of 2011. Good Kid Mad City was probably the first album of this current decade to be recognized as a classic or to be mentioned in that same breath. And then to, to, to Pimp a Butterfly, you know, everyone's ranting and raving about that album still to this day, even though it came out way back in March. So. Kendrick Lamar, there's not much more that needs to be said. It's very, it's pretty self-explanatory at this point that he is, you know, the best rapper of this current decade going forward. But what do you guys think? Hit me up on Twitter at DM underscore cool. Let me know what you think and let me know what your list looks like. Coming up after the commercial break, I know we kind of got a little extended on that, but it's all good. Um, we have Kendrick's version of Black Friday coming up and after that we will get into Trip Talk so keep it locked. This is Cool Radio and we'll be right back after these messages. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, yo. Welcome back to the show. You're now tuned to the sounds of CFRE 91.9 FM. It is your man DM Cool and we are now back with Cool Radio. Welcome to the show people. Uh, if you're just tuning in, I just broke down my top 10 list of best rappers of this current decade from 2010 till now. Um, if you missed it, I will be posting the video very shortly after this episode is done. Also, the full podcast. You already know all that good stuff. But now, we must get into Trip Talk. So you already know how we do it, but we may do a more, we're going to do a little more condensed version of it this time around. Uh, so with that being said, let's get right into it. So, Kendrick Lamar, J. Cole, by now you've already heard Black Friday. Uh, you heard Kendrick Lamar's verse just now, and then you heard J. Cole's verse earlier on in the show. And they basically shut down the internet when that dropped last week. So the question is, who had the better song? Now, first of all, this was a collaboration, right? And they went about the collaboration in a different manner, which I solely appreciate because now we're just kind of furthering out the balance of creativity. Instead of just hopping on one beat together, they decided, hey, I'm going to do a better job on your beat. And I'm going to show you why I did a better job. So I'm guessing they each kind of, you know, chose their own beat to rap to as far as which one they wanted to do. Or for all we know, they could have handpicked it for the other person to uh, rap over. We don't know. Either way, they did a damn good job on it. J. Cole did his thing on All Right, and it sounded completely different from the original, 
which I appreciate. And the same thing with Kendrick when he did, uh, oh, I think it was, it wasn't Fire Squad. Ooh, which one was it? I can't remember. It was off uh, 2014 Forest Hill Drives. I know that. But nonetheless, he did his thing on it as well. And he's more adept, and he's adept at rhyming over J. Cole production because he did that on, um, on High Power on Section 80. So anyways, me personally, I thought Kendrick edged out, edged out J. Cole just a little bit. Mainly because of the technical precision. Like he was all over the place. He used all these different intricate flows. And he was very concise with it. He did not miss a beat. He was hitting it on every single level. I loved it. And I have a thing for technical rappers because like, the amount of discipline it takes to uh, rap at the same cadence for a certain amount of time. You know, it's pure mastery of that art. As for J. Cole, J. Cole edged out Kendrick Lamar when it, when it came to the wordplay, especially during that second verse. I just liked the way he that he was hitting it from all cylinders. And also, I kind of like the hook they snuck in in the middle of the song when um, it got a little bit jazzy in, in, during the chorus section of the song. Either way, I felt like Kendrick slammed it a bit harder than, than Cole did, but they both did their thing. And if anyhow, you know, Cole's little subliminal message at the end saying how a little something something's coming out in February. They didn't say February 2016. They just said February. But if it if it is in fact coming out in February 2016, whether it be another song or an EP, a mixtape, whatever it is, they will break the internet. I guarantee. But what do you think? Hit me up on Twitter at DM underscore cool or cool underscore radio and let me know your thoughts. Let's keep it moving. So the majority of this episode has all been about lists, right? So top 10 this, top 10 that. You already know how it goes. Billboard, uh, sorry, not Billboard. Um, Rolling Stone put out their list of top 50 albums of the entire year. And it wasn't just top 50 hip-hop, top 50 rock, top 50 pop. It was top 50 everything. Everything was encompassed into this list. So I'm not going to go through the whole list, of course, because we'd be here all night. But I will mention the top five, all right? So, here's how the top five goes. So, number five, we have The Weeknd with behind, or Beauty Behind the Madness. Pardon me. Number four, D'Angelo and the Vanguard Black Messiah. We have number three, Drake. If you're reading this, it's too late. Number two, Adele with 25. And number one, with Kendrick Lamar to Pimp a Butterfly. So, first and foremost, right off the bat, hip-hop and R&B is winning this year. Let's just, let's just break it down right now, okay? First of all, you got two Canadians on there, Drake and The Weeknd, so props to him. Um, you have Adele, who snuck in there at number two with her album that just came out not even a month ago. You have Mr. D'Angelo himself bringing that classic smooth R&B back. And, of course, you have K-Dot with To Pimp a Butterfly, which is still heralded as one of the strongest projects, if not the strongest project of this year, regardless of what genre. Now, I will say this, and we shouldn't keep our hopes up on this because it is the Grammys we're talking about. However, with that being said, despite all that, if somehow the Grammys fail to, at the very least, award this man the award for best rap album, then something is definitely wrong with that committee. I am sorry. I mean, we all, you know, we all kind of came to the conclusion that he got screwed for best rap album for Good Kid, Mad City when Macklemore won it with the heist. But from a critical standpoint, at least from a critical standpoint, for, for best rap album category, mind you, the categories haven't even been announced yet. The nominees haven't been announced yet. But I can't think of any rap album 
that was better, not only better, but more commercially viable than To Pimp a Butterfly. Unless if we're talking about if you're reading this, it's too late because that's the best-selling album of, of the year so far in rap. But nonetheless, despite all that, ooh, they, ooh, the graders better not mess this up. That's all I'm saying. They better not mess this up. They better not. I'm not going to get my hopes too high, but I'm just saying, like, if you can't give an album like that the best rap album of the year, then I don't know what deserves to be in there. I'm just saying. And then finally, what I'm going to briefly touch up on before we go to our final commercial break is uh, Tidal. They recently announced their new CEO who goes by the name of Jeff Toig, and he said in a statement, and I quote, I was fortunate, fortunate to spend quite a lot of time with Jay-Z, learning more about his vision for Tidal and why he made such a significant investment in the business. It became clear to me that Jay and the artists behind comp- the company are deeply committed to developing an amazing music experience for fans. I share a belief that this has been lost with many services and it will be a critical and it will be critical, pardon me, as we build Tidal into a leader in this space. Now, first and foremost, kudos to Tidal getting a CEO. However, what strikes me as a bit alarmed is the fact that this is now their third CEO since March. Their first one, I think, left and then they had an interim um ceo during that time and now they have their third one to close out the year basically so it kind of makes you wonder what's happening in the world of title right now why is there so much discrepancy so to speak going on with the title as far as the ownership and the management is is this some sort of pressure that they're facing based on the competition like apple music and spotify who knows only the guys behind the boardroom knows but hey say la vie but Enough about that. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the Throwback Thursday track of the day. So that being said, let's get old school. Now, for this edition of Throwback Thursday, I figure let's go Canadian with this one, right? Why not, right? We always love to hear a good old school Canadian hip hop record. And this one comes by way of 2009, so kind of a later throwback, I would say. Uh, Definitely one of my favorite tunes from this uh, particular artist. Very abstract artist, to say the least. He goes by the name of Chaos, and this track is called Man I Used to Be. So keep it locked. And when we do come back, we have the Wankster of the Week. Keep it locked. This is Cool Radio. Yeah. What's going on, people? It's your boy, Femi Lassen, and man, me. Uh, it's your man, Bo Pinto, at Bo Pinto. Jay Hood from the Toronto Argos. You are now tuned in. Cool. Cool. Radio 91.9 FM. I had an amazing experience. I had an amazing time. The best radio show experiences I've had ever. Stay tuned for the hottest in news, hip hop, entertainment, and everything. Every Thursday at 8 p.m. Big shout out to DM Cool. Good vibes. Love you, man. You're famous. I love it. Welcome back to the show, people, and big shouts to all the guests I've had throughout the years, especially this year as well. Y'all are amazing. Y'all are the real MVPs, all right? You guys are famous. <laughs> but nonetheless, you're now tuned to the sounds of CFRE Radio 91.9 FM and on the World Wide Web at CFREradio.com. It is your man, DM Cool, and welcome back to Cool Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, I am not going to waste your time. It is that time for the segment that you all know and love. Who has entered the shallow walls of the Hall of Shame this week. Who has been crowned the captain of Coonery? Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for Wankster of the Week. So let's hit it, shall we? Take it 
Michael Winston. And you need to start fronting. Damn, that one had some bass in it. Jeez, I gotta turn down the volume, man. It's a little too crunk in here. Anyways, nonetheless, let's keep moving. This week's Wankster of the Week goes to the boss, Rick Ross, all right? Now, Ross is getting the Wankster this week because somehow in that tatted mind of his that is filled with chicken wings and sex tapes and what have you, he decided that it was a smart idea to take a subliminal lyrical shot at Drake, all right? Now, I'm going to mention the lyric that he said in this uh, in the song. Now, he has a song called Color Money. And it's off of his uh, latest project entitled Black Market, which will be released tomorrow. And in the song, he says the following. My little homie made a million on his girl tour. We back to back and down to whack a nigga unborn. Miami niggas got them changing all the gun laws. So run for us, got some shooters, and they dying too. I got more money than that mm, that you're signed to. Now... We all like this is this is about Drake. There's no way you can deny it. All right. So basically, we have the reference over here. My little homie made a million on his girl tour in reference to back to back. Is that a world tour? Your girl tour, of course. And then also he also says, I got more money than that that you're signed to another expletive, mind you. So it's it's perceived that he's either dissing Lil Wayne or baby. But it would be later clarified somewhat that he was dissing baby now. Ross was on the Breakfast Club this week to clarify his statements or his uh, or his uh, perceived diss, and he said this, and I quote: "I mean, you know, uh, I just released Color of Money, and that record is what it is. You dig? It's a lot of different people that's going to interpret a lot of different ways, and it is what it is. I mean, everyone know who Rose know how I get down when I come." I come, so I just say, let's see how it unfolds. You most definitely know how I come, and I do what I do. I don't play no games. Huh? <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't take myself seriously sometimes. But nonetheless, he's basically kind of trying to deflect away from the fact that he dissed Drake. And that is one of the main reasons why I'm giving him the wanks. And one of the main reasons why is because of the fact that you know that that line or those lyrics were about Drake where you're trying to dance around it and trying to make people speculate or conjure up some sort of thoughts when it's blatantly obvious that you're dissing him and then he later to later went on to discuss about his relationship with Birdman uh, kind of dwindling down because of the situation at Cash Money so now we have been known now you've made it apparent that you are dissing him as well in that song another reason why and this is the main reason why I'm giving him links of the week is because of the fact that a few weeks ago, you were giving constructive criticism about how Meek Mill lost the battle, but he said for him to dust his shoulders off, get back on the horse, and keep on making the music, and that him things between him and Drake are cool. But now, fast forward, you want to go and diss Drake, someone who just dismantled one of your soldiers, and basically let him know that this battle game is not for you. Rick Ross, you may be battle-tested by 50, but nonetheless, this battle game is still not for you. Your battle of 50 wasn't a war of words. It was a war of memes and videos. So that doesn't really count as a battle. Now, the only th- smart thing you did was diss Birdman because Birdman is probably one of the worst rappers of all time. And in this situation, it's better to shoot fish in a barrel than it is to shoot a harpoon at a great white shark. That being Drake, of course. You saw the way he just dissected him piece by piece like a grade 11 science project and you still want to go toe-to-toe with the boy come on now you being the so-called boss 
you should be more strategic than that. And you should know much more better than that. Because this guy is going to diss you on so many things. See, there are so many things to choose from. Your, correct, your past as a corrections officer. The fact that you called off your engagement with some girl that you thought was your wifey. The fact that 50 Cent has your girl on videotape banging another dude. And the fact that 50 Cent took your girl shopping long time ago, your ex-girl, whatever the case may be. There are so many things for him to poke fun at. And at the end of the day, you can't just pull a meek mill and talk about how much money you got because Drake's net worth is three times larger than yours. Three, like at least, at the very least, I'm being modest here. His track record is, is like far beyond yours. So, Ross, you need to stay in your lane. You need to keep making that trap music, whatever that huh, music. You need to continue eating those wings that you have at Wingstop. You just need to stay far away from battle rap, especially when it, when it concerns Drake, because he's going to give you that work. Let's be honest. He gave Meek the hottest summer of his life, and I guarantee if you really want this battle to go down between yourself and Drake, he will give you the coldest winter ever. And I'm not talking about the final track from from Kanye's 808s and Heartbreaks. Please believe that. You will get that work. Word to Lord of Lux. So, on that note, do you deserve the Wankster of the Week? Of course you do. And I'm about to drop it just like this. One more time for all the people who are listening at home. Wankster of the Week. Not a smart boss move at all, man. You're not playing the game like a boss, Rick Ross. You're playing the game like a pawn. But on that note, we're going to end things off. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in as you do on a regular basis. Um, next week, we have my man Jordan coming through. He was here last year to discuss uh, his upcoming project. Now we're going to discuss with him what he has coming up in the future. And also, don't forget, on December 17th, we have our year-end special. Last week, I revealed that my man, Mr. Rock Pop and Hip Hop Goliath Paw, will be one of our, one of our feature panelists. And... Next, not next week. I can't, why am I saying next week? Um, our other panelists, one of our other panelists, because we have two more to get to, but this one right here, uh, he is a mogul in the city. He is building his own independent hip hop label and has been gaining steam for quite some time. A frequent collaborator of Gladfah, he goes by the name of Javoni Thomas, one of the hardest working young moguls in the city. He will be here to deliver the business perspective of his top five, and we will get into all that later on. I will keep you informed with all the social media. Speaking of social media, make sure you follow us on Twitter at Cool underscore Radio. Follow and subscribe on SoundCloud at Cool underscore Radio. Hit us up on YouTube, Cool underscore Radio, and like us on Facebook at Cool uh, cool radio no dash no underscore no nothing just cool radio uh, but once again people I am your man DM cool and once again cool radio is a division of cool click media and entertainment reminding you each and every day that we are out here creating our own legacies keep it gravy and wavy I am out of here peace